Hello, welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. Today we have decided, in fact um, today and in fact next uh, podcast, we've decided we're going to look at um, a list that's been kind of doing the rounds on social media uh, and it comes from, is it Emma Emma Coates from uh, Pixar? Yes, that's right. She's Pixar storyboard artist and actually it's been doing the rounds, I mean I've got a link here to it from... Uh, or possibly 2012. So it's gone round okay. and round and round. But we just yeah. thought it would be useful to, you know, what what are Pixar getting right? Yeah. And what can we learn from them? Because really, I mean, nobody is getting it quite as right as Pixar is uh, consistently, yeah. really. I don't know. I mean, they, they probably have technically had a failure. Um, you know, there are one or two that haven't done amazingly. But overall, yeah. they, they really have you know, knocked out of the park pretty much every time. Yeah. So when Pixar say there are 22 rules that you should follow, um, then there are 22 rules that you should follow. And one thing that I'm going to try and do uh, to be a little bit topical, uh, I've been watching the latest series of um, Friday Night Dinner, um, which is uh, in fact series six, I think now. So, so we're about thirty plus episodes in, written by one person, uh, and it's still the most consistently funny show I think yeah. on terrestrial uh, TV at this point. I'm not sure you're not crazy. About I didn't it, go. For, I didn't go for it at the very start, and then, yeah. um, and then I thought, oh, I'll catch up with it, and it's a bit like Peep Show where I watched the first series or two and then for whatever reason didn't get back into it because I I like very much. I just thought, well, they'll probably stop after four series and then I'll watch it. (laughs) But then they just kept making them and making them and making them. Um, Mm. And I just thought, well, I'm never going to get... So now I've actually got... Now they've finished making it, I should probably start watching it again, but I just, you know, who's got time to Mm. do that? So, I mean, even with uh, global lockdowns, I still don't have time to watch episodes of sitcoms that I should have watched by now. Indeed, so, indeed, um, yes. So, yes. So, if you want to find this l- rule, a list of rules, if you just Google 22 rules of storytelling according to Pixar, you will be presented with about 30 different options. And so, we are going to talk about numbers 1 to 11, and with occasional references to Friday Night Dinner, and I will also fold in references to other shows. And also, Dave, you've started watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I believe. That's correct, yes. Um, very exciting yeah. and uh, very much enjoying that and um, being able to uh, educate my children about this particular time uh, in the world in, in America I know a great deal about because yeah. uh, it's about um, the early days of stand-up comedy. So um, they were very impressed when I was able to dig out one of my old uh, Lenny Bruce books right. and um, discover that actually, uh, oh, what, Lenny Bruce was a real person, <laughs> right? <okay. laughs> which is, which is a, a reasonable thing to ask if you watch Mrs. Maisel yes. because all the characters there so, uh, do seem to be kind of modelled on sort of real people yeah. I think there's, um, she's so, I mean she's the, sort of Joan Rivers but she's sort of not really isn't she yeah I think Joan Rivers is, is pretty much the nearest yeah. uh, parallel but it, but it isn't Joan Rivers yeah. and then there's also uh, another character who's a bit like um, uh, Phyllis Diller right. uh, who was a sort of great character actor who played this sort of very very kind of um home well not homespun sort of a loud abrasive Mm. um new york jewish uh mother but is actually was a sort of really posh woman and i love the idea we'll get into this the pixar list in a moment but i love the idea dave that despite the fact that you've written dozens and dozens hundreds possibly of horrible history songs 
your kids finally give you respect over the fact that you know a bit about Lenny Bruce. I love that. <laughs> yeah, they kind of, I think they, they've sort of come around to Horrible Histories because there are a few of their friends now who say, oh yeah, Horrible Histories, oh, I like that song and I like that song. And then they come home and they say, oh, did you write that? I, oh, yeah, yeah, I wrote that. Mm, so, okay. so as their as their horizons get bigger, they start to see that actually horrible histories is a slightly bigger deal than they thought it was. Yeah, um, oh, and yeah. that has a bit yes. more traction, you know, across the country. But anyway, <laughs> there we go. So um, we should uh, we should dive in, as they like to say on podcasts, yep. or jump in, dive in. Yeah, okay. Dig deep in. Dig deep dig, in. Dig, oh wow! I think dig in deep. Dig in deep. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a new one for me. Yeah, dig, well, people say about digging into the script, yes. you know, and all that stuff. So, so number one, Dave, which I'm sure mm. you've given um, much thought to. So number one on the list of <laughs> Pixar's storytelling rules is you admire a character for trying more, uh, for trying more than for their more. successes. Yeah. Let me, I'm yeah. sorry, I'll read that again. <laughs> you admire a character for trying more than for their successes. You were correct. There should have been a comma after trying, definitely. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great. I remember actually uh, a friend of mine, a guy called Andy Linden, stand-up comedian, very funny guy. He's um, you would recognise him because he he was uh, a character in uh, one of the Harry Potter movies. But he had this idea for a, a, a boxer. He, he never got round to making it. It's a shame. He said this boxer had a uh, hundred and forty-six fights and he lost every one of them. <laughs> Each each time he came back, yeah. and he told us that, yeah, what a what a what an amazing heroic character. Yeah. and I think it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's almost more of a kind of English thing than an American. Yes. Uh, wouldn't you say? It's you probably know, an, Amer- kind of an American loser. audience need to hear that more than a British audience because we we love. I mean, it's a Bill Bailey quote. I think uh, I'm English, and therefore I crave disappointment. I think <laughs> was one of his early early yeah. intro lines. Um, and so, yeah, we, we don't have... So Eddie the Eagle is both a national treasure and then it's, it's an easy no-brainer movie to make, isn't it? The life story of, yeah. of you know, an extremely unsuccessful fact, Winter Olympian. Yeah, and actually, um, a thing that... Um, Jeff Norcott, the, the stand-up comedian, he put a thing on um, Twitter uh, the other day and he got, he got into a sort of argument with somebody because he said... Uh, you know this kind of um, th- this idea that from of kind of doing yourself down and and, and disappointment is such a sort of English thing and you know we, we, we shouldn't be like that he was sort of arguing with someone who was saying it and I said well actually no we're brilliant at it yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the best thing about Britain yeah. is our is our crushing sense of disappointment yes, and right. failure our, our self-effacing you know? uh, yeah so but also yeah, I, th- I think it's it's having sympathy with the character and and making sure that they are trying to succeed. You want to give them a reason to succeed and a reason for us to cheer on for the, cheer them on, even if we don't really want the thing that they want. And for some reason, we're still on movies. The example I can think of, a, a great underdog movie in that nobody gave the movie a chance at the start is Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. And if you're British, at least... You really don't want Hugh Grant to get together with Andy McDowell long term, do you? Um, because, for, well, for a variety of reasons. Um, she's not actually very nice and we all want him to get together with Christine Scott Thomas. But when he finally gets to marry her, uh, Andy McDowell, and she accepts him in the rain and everything, we are at least pleased that that's what he wanted. Yeah. So we have to believe 
we have to like the character enough for them to to want what they want because they want it, not because we want it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And actually, as you were saying that, I was I was thinking of um, characters who. Are, are not likable at all as well and um admiring them uh, for trying and and um the idea of um uh, basil faulty uh, sort of he sort of came to mind yeah. you know he he we we he is a monster uh you know we he's not really a, a nice mm. person he's um not good at what he does he's uh but you do get the sense that the thing that he wants and you you know he's going to fail of yeah. getting what he wants, but you know it, it's uh, it's compelling to watch, and, it's a, and and the key word there is you admire a character for trying rather than you like a character for trying. Yeah, and I think we ad, we admire the kind of uh, get knocked down and come back up again yeah. sort of um, Basil Fawlty approach, really. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, so if every story is the same story and is, is the kind of the hero's quest or whatever it is, um, yeah. then you do need to empathise with the quests and that quest needs to make sense for them, for that character. So there needs to be, you need some hook into it, don't you, really? Um, yeah. Which yeah, is, yeah. So if you're writing a sitcom um, and you're planning a new sitcom, you do just want to make sure if it's about one people or one person or two people, do do we you know are we rooting for them and that's yeah. different from liking them um and people say a lot about the difference between likability and empathy and that kind of stuff um you know victor meldrew is not really likable but we do have sympathy mm. for him um yeah in a way he is sort of defiant but he's actually not you know yeah. in actual fact he's a perfectly nice man it's just if you push him mm. or push him to one side he will he will go off and when he has a go at neighbours about or kids throwing rubbish on his garden, yeah. you know we are we are at once mocking him and and also admiring him for doing what yeah. we daren't do because we're so sort of um, yeah. English and and straight laced. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's good. Should we should we move we on should to move number on. two? Shall I read number two? Yeah. You got to keep in mind what's interesting to you as an audience, not what's fun to do as a writer. They can be very different. Hmm. That's uh. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an interesting one. I mean, it is that 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 the, the way that that's often expressed is um. The other version of that is you you have to kill your babies. In other words, the things that you like about your script the most yeah. are uh not necessarily you know the the, the last things that you uh, get rid of. Yeah. Um, they aren't necessarily the, the best things for the script, but you are so attached to them um, that um, that yeah. you know you 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 do have to. I was reading. Get rid a, of that. Yeah. I was reading a I was reading a book last night by a uh, a singer songwriter and author actually called Andrew Peterson, and mm -hmm. um, he's a Christian guy who lives in uh, Tennessee and in Nashville. Uh, and he's written some kids' books, actually, that are absolutely fantastic that my kids really like, called The Wing Feather Saga. Uh -huh. um, and they're sort of like fantasy kind of thing. Um, but he was talking about songwriting in this book called Adorning the Dark, I think it's called. And mm. he was saying, when he was starting out, it's about the artist process to some extent, and he was saying that every producer, when a young songwriter comes to them with a song, it's always the same problem. It's always too long. And they always they always know that it's too long, but there's a special reason as to why their song needs to be longer than most other songs. 
You know, yeah. if a song is three to four minutes, you know, their songs are always four, five, six, seven minutes, but they always have yeah. a reason why they should be. And he says, mm. you know, he's gone back to songs where he really died on a hill for them to be longer and has replayed them later in live concerts and just thought, I have to cut that extra chorus and that extra bridge and that extra bit because this is just too long. Well, if you look at, um, you know, look, look at the most successful writers, I mean, the mega successful writers, and um, the, the, the Harry Potter is a good um, example of that. Mm. The first um, Harry Potter book is, I don't know, what, 250 pages? Yeah. It's, a, it's a cracking read. It's a very quick quick read and then it became a huge success and then book two is maybe a little bit longer and uh, by the time book two comes out um jk rowling is uh, unassailable and you know well sort of most... certainly by book four because i think books one and two came out and were did okay yeah. book three and then suddenly oh they might be movies book four is a real yeah. doorstopper isn't it well reading it out to my kids i really uh, it be- i became aware about halfway through book three that uh, if there was an edit, if there was an editor involved, mm. um, they were no longer able to say uh, you couldn't just possibly uh, cut, cut this down a bit, could you? Yeah. And it was uh, you know no, yeah. it's what the kids want. And you know who who am I to argue? I'm sure that book seven sold as many as book one, probably yeah. more. And uh, but but definitely without having the restraint of an editor saying yeah. this is too long you need to cut it yeah. um those harry potter books were easily the four and five and six i think i got as far as mm. uh, they're a good 200 pages too long yeah. um and you know you don't we don't have that luxury uh because we don't we can't say huh you don't. You don't know. I know. I'm. I'm keeping it long. Well, yeah. they say, oh well, we're not making it. Yeah. Um, there's always a reason. So, there's yeah. always a reason for it to be longer. There's always a reason as to why it needs to be different. And in a way, it's not for us to say there's never a reason for this or that. It's just a question of really checking yourself. And do you really know better? Do you really? Th- you know? Do you? You know? And occasionally, you get a game changer who just comes straight out of the gate and is just sort of doing stuff. But I. Th- I think. It's just worth bearing in mind. Yeah, that, I mean, you. Uh, for, I'm interested to think uh, to to ask you about this in terms of the process because you've written so much more uh, TV, um, uh, so many more TV sitcom episodes uh, than I have. Uh, the difference between, say, when you were writing. Uh, uh, hot 33 um and you know it's basically you and the producer yeah. and you kind of decide between you but then it goes to telly and it's not just about hearing voices it's about seeing stuff and and locations and and buying props and all that stuff and well, you know th- how at that point the temptation i think the more complicated it is for like for tv the more the arrogant writer in you potentially wants to make it less rather than more and so it's as if going anywhere and doing anything is cheating and you want to give yourself really tight rules to stick to and then you want to kind of you want to write yourself into a corner and write yourself out of it again and therefore you get bottle episodes which i think you know in a sitcom situation is like the characters are trapped in a lift you know all of the all of the normal things you can do to distract people are taking away taken away mm. and now you need to really dig into your characters and write some amazing pinteresque you know samuel beckett type stuff and actually right. they're not normally the best episodes and i remember mm. with uh, miranda we we tried to do a richard and i i think maybe pitch series 1 a bottle episode 
and even in series two and i think with the, the psychiatrist episode which happens in real time it was only very late in the day that miranda was happy with that because she basically mm. just said i know that you writers as it were like to be clever but i just want to make people laugh <laughs> and you go yeah we're just trying to be clever to be honest and in the yeah. end it is one of my favorite episodes i don't know it's if, one of my yeah, favorites but maybe because you're a writer um but it's it, it's quite but it, but what i mean is it can easily be vanity and i think in the end that episode is not vanity but mm. you know th those th but they end up taking up more time writing wise than any other right um, even though that episode was really easy to film because i think they filmed it in in an hour uh, you know it's right. like, there weren't that many there were some retakes but that was sort of it um but it just feels like you but you just spend a lot of time on the script um and yeah. it's not immediately obvious that the audience liked it more um yeah so i don't know there's yeah. that facetime episode of of um of modern family isn't there the whole episode on yeah. facetime that is brilliant yeah. and mm. it is memorable but i still yeah. but we like it as writers but i don't know if it's people's yeah. favorite one yeah, in fact, let me, I, I just, uh, I, I remembered that I'd forgotten that I was going to talk about Friday Night Dinner. Please but do. Um, just, just thinking about the fact that uh, you can look at any episode of Friday Night Dinner and, and they are exactly the same. The only thing that changes is, is, is the model of car uh, each year. So that's the only character change is the, right. the car that the two boys turn up in. Uh, and so they they, uh, they turn up and they turn up for Friday night dinner and mum is there and dad is there and um, Jim comes round with the dog uh, and things go wrong yeah. and um, you know but they resolve at the end and that's to, to week in week out and the temptation to to kind of step away from that yeah. uh, must must be uh, enormous well, but yeah. it's absolutely rigidly yeah. stuck to because in a way and, that's um, a format which in another show might be uh, a clever episode to do it all in one evening because sitcoms mm. tend to take place over the course of 24 36 48 hours but mm. he might be tempted to do an episode there's an episode of seinfeld very late on maybe series eight or nine i think mike mcshane is in it the whole episode starts um at a wedding in india and it just goes backwards, 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 right. backwards. And he's sort of, it's sort of explaining how the heck do they get to this wedding in India? Right. Um, I sort of vaguely remember you know, that. By the actually, time but... you're on episode 168 or whatever it is, you've probably <laughs> earned the right to do that. And I think series yeah. nine in particular was very, very inventive. Um, mm. But also Larry David wasn't doing the last series. And I suspect he was like, he, he, he was the one who was... Go... And he stopped doing like series seven and eight or something and come back for the last series. Or no, he no, came I, think back he, for the end. I think he just came back for the last episode or something. Oh, right. But, okay, but yeah, yeah, so there's an episode where it ends up where George is playing an episode, is like playing Frogger, trying to get something across, you know, a, a two, a, you know, a highway. Right. And so it becomes very tricksy. But as I say, once, once you've done 160 of something, you probably have exhausted it and you do need to be a bit clever. Yeah, but don't don't start there. I don't think um, yeah. would be my would be my yeah. thing. Should we move on to the okay. third one? Number three. Okay, trying for theme is important, but you won't see what the story is actually about till you're at the end of it. Now rewrite. Um, Oof. 
Now, that's very interesting because I, just before we started this podcast, I had a thought about our sitcom that we're trying to write. Um, and I've been spending a lot of time, um, and we both have really, kind of thinking about the theme and what's it about. And a couple of weeks ago, a friend of ours uh, who we showed it to said, you know, the best sitcoms have the simplest themes and possibly what you've got is a bit of a kind of difficult theme to sell uh, uh, and actually so I just thought of something that that kind of keeps it as it is but has a much simpler mm. but uh, imposes a kind of simpler story on it and that fr- out of which the themes may come yeah. I, I, th- I think that's a, I think that's not a not a bad point I, th- I, th- I just to say before, to we, find... before we move off that mm. so if you want to hear lots of episodes of that it's called sitcom soup to nuts and there are at least 14 episodes of Dave and I talking about it, maybe 15 by now. And, yeah. and but just basically walking you through how you create a show and just these are these are the lengths we go to to think about it from all angles and all this sort of thing. But what this point yeah. is saying, it's interesting, isn't it? That even after you've written the first draft, you're still mm. discovering what it's really about. And I think. Yeah. And, and so what the temptation, therefore, is to rush to write a draft to get to that next stage. Mm. but you're essentially always tricking yourself that mm. you have cracked what the show's really about at every stage. Yeah. So with the outline, you're trying to absolutely nail it so that yeah. the script is just, oh, or, you know, I've cracked it. And then you write the first draft and then you realise you hadn't nailed it, but now you've nailed it. And then you read it back and then you realise you hadn't nailed it with the first draft. And then you go back and you rewrite it again yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a hard one because I think you know I, I I've spent a lot of time in the last year and partly through all these scripts that we read for our competition, mm. and recently I've been reading a lot of scripts for the BBC Writers Room, and uh, separating out what is the theme of your sitcom and what is happening in this episode. Yeah, um, and and it's a common mistake, and all writers make it even you know very successful uh writers of the episode one is the theme uh there isn't actually a story and and um it's kind of uh, you can't i i sort of feel like i have an idea what the theme is when i'm starting out that i don't necessarily have the actual um the, uh, it's not nailed but yeah. it's kind of well it feels like it's sort of about a fish out of water or it's about do you think would you call that a theme well i think this overlaps actually with the with with number four actually on our list and okay. so and the, and the reason i say that is because i think we're so used to movies and lots of people now writing sitcoms are the sorts of people that used to watch a lot of movies as well as sitcoms mm. and in a movie you don't need an episode you just need a theme that we then see expressed with a beginning and yeah. middle and an end and it's done so let me just read number four on the pixar list is once upon a time there was a blank every day blank that's your act one basically one day yeah. blank because of that inciting incident yeah. at the end of act yeah two, one act day one, blank yeah. because of that blank because of that mm. blank until finally yeah. blank so what that's giving you is this is also making sure that your your story is not a series of events this and then this and then this but this mm. and therefore this and therefore this and therefore this and mm. so i think 
it feels like if you write your first episode that you've written an episode, but actually you've written the story and maybe you've even written a very short movie that may be even slightly underwhelming in some ways. And there were one or two scripts that we've read where I just thought, you know, and actually good scripts, where I just thought, I don't know what the next episode of this would be because it feels like this show is about a character's quest to do this and we've seen it with a beginning and a middle and an end and I don't know what another yeah. version of this quest is going to look like. Um, yeah, that may be a lack of imagination it. on my part and we were just and it wasn't mm. obvious and that's that's fine but but I think also part of that is down to the fact that we get so many shows uh, that are led by writer performers that they are they, they they very rarely get beyond two series, you know, and the, they have a very successful first series, and then uh, the, the the writer performer feels, well, I've done that, I can't, I don't, I can't take it any further, and so they, they yeah. stretch it to a second series, uh, which even then maybe is is stretching it, but then uh, then they that's it you know and so yeah. like flea bag or the office or uh home yeah. you know these are these series have a uh, they, they are they are more like self-contained stories than sitcom you know yeah. they have they have resolution and i think i mean that's the point about this pixar thing it is uh about movies but i mean we can apply it but yeah that that whereas a until finally dot dot yeah. dot but of course in a sitcom uh finally doesn't happen uh yes. it goes every day x happens one day uh something else happens because of that the character does something and it all goes horribly wrong or horribly right and then because of that it goes even worse or even better yeah. but then but then then the difference with sitcom is oh and then it all falls apart and ends up yeah. back where it was at the beginning yeah and you know so, and again, so people that's are, a, people are writing movie scripts in the sense of we just keep fighting so now sometimes we're getting scripts we read scripts where something happens on page 10 which starts the story but again that's probably fine if you're showing once upon a time there was an everyday this hmm. you've got 10 pages because you've got 10 minutes because people have paid 10 quid to actually go and watch your movie. And they're not going to walk out after 10 minutes going, well, this is no. boring. Um, you're establishing a world before the hero has their quest and, and leaves it. In a sitcom, you've got 28 minutes, maybe 24 or 22, depending on whether you're on NBC or whatever. And so you <clears throat> you really need that. You've got your once upon a time and every day. That's your opening mm -hmm. title sequence, your title and your first 10 seconds you know it's your mm. by page two by page three you need the one day this and because of that yeah. that so by the time you get to page 10 you're already on the sort of the second act third act within your mm. you know the whole thing is a giant act two anyway but um yeah. so so i think people again are using movie grammar or very slow moving tv drama grammar you know mm. like, with this lockdown i thought i might finally get around to watching the wire which I've got series one on DVD and I still have a DVD. Right. And I remember somebody just saying, oh yeah, in the first four episodes, nothing much really happens. And I don't know whether that's <laughs> true or not, but you just think, wow, that's four hours of just sort of fiddling around, building mm. the world. Apparently that's fine. Um, yeah. It is in drama, apparently. Mm. It's, it's really not in comedy, I don't think. No. No, I, I I agree. I mean, I did watch the whole of The Wire. Um, you need very good subtitles to watch it. It's, there's a lot of muttering in darkness oh. uh, goes on. Um, I'm not too proud to use subtitles. 
No, well, I, I, I use them all the time, but that's partly because I'm a deaf git. Okay, um, well, I, I'm, I'm not, and I can't understand people half the time, so... Yeah. Um, Include, yeah. Including my younger daughter, I keep having to tell her, speak clearly, speak. And I just thought, oh, <laughs> this is what my mum yeah. used to say to me. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's uh, we'll go to number five. Um, yep. So it says, simplify, full stop. Focus, full stop. Combine characters, full stop. Hop over detours, full stop. You'll feel like you're losing valuable stuff, but it sets you free. Uh, Friday night dinner, if I may, come to the... Simplify, focus, combine characters, hop over detours. Yeah, I mean they have the same characters uh, every week, and they're, they're the same recurring characters. I know there's a show on tonight, and um, horrible grandma is appearing in tonight's uh, right. episode, and I know exactly what's going to happen because I've seen horrible grandma in one episode of every series right. so far. So I know exactly what to expect. Last week, uh, Auntie Val. Uh, was in and um, you know Auntie Val is in one episode a series or two sometimes and I know exactly what's going to happen with her so um, so that's all um, it's all good um, stuff about simplifying you know you really uh, you just strip everything away um, and I and the, the thing about extra characters I mean it really is uh, and, and I, I know I do it as well um, you have you think you've got a different character for each, you know, you think each, this character, oh, I definitely need that character because that character's going to say this and say that, which is probably true in your head, but yeah. someone else says, actually, why don't you just get rid of that character and give that stuff to one of the other people you've already got? Yeah, Especially if that character's not working. Yeah. Then give the, give the plot stuff to the character that is working. Yeah, uh, and can. how do you know if a character is working or not? You'll be excited by them. You'll want to write stuff yeah. for them. You'll want to get, in, and, and that's kind of how you find these things. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a way, is, this feels like <clears throat> simplify, focus, uh, combine characters, hop over detours. I would flip that on its head as a sitcom writer and just say um, hop over log jams. Or mm-hmm. if there's a scene, by the time you're getting to write a scene, in, you know, your outline is fine and you're happy with it. You get to a scene and you go, I don't know how to write this scene. Well, you know, give it give it 10 minutes and then give it have a cup of tea. Give it another 10 minutes. Make a start. Start typing. See what happens. If after yeah. an hour, nothing's happening, you've, you've possibly not set the scene up right. Then think to yourself, well, what happens if I don't have this scene? If I just cut mm-hmm. this scene then I'll just have, and I start the next scene with this scene not having happened. Does that change anything? It may be that it doesn't change anything, in which case there was no point mm. to that scene, which is why it's so hard to write. Or you could, he could, he or she could come into the next scene and we've not seen the last scene. We've just heard about it. They've just said, well, that was a disaster. This happened, then this, then this. And the next thing I know, blah, blah, blah. And here I am. Mm. It's, it's a bit tell, you know, you want to show rather than tell, but yeah. actually maybe the telling might be funnier you know, simplifying is often a good way of getting rid of prop problem, plot problems yeah. by just not mm-hmm. doing them. Is that yeah. cheating? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think also uh, always think of that scene in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark with the uh, the guy with the the whip. And it's oh, was the sword? The, the sword with, guy, yeah, wasn't the it? The sword and Harrison Ford with his whip, and he just oh sod it and gets the gun out and shoots yeah. him, which feels like a sort of seminal moment in yeah. uh, American comedy. Really, it's a sort of uh, <laughs> it's become a kind of way of. Um, yeah doing a joke uh i've seen i've seen like a million versions of that yeah. since then really i believe that, that um i i heard that it was choreographed there was this ama- amazing fight scene that was choreographed yeah, yeah, yeah. that and, harrison, and ford, harrison ford was really ill on the day or something like that. i just said can i just shoot him they just thought actually that would be really yeah. funny um, <laughs> so um so yeah he's taken his jacket off now i can see on our zoom recording that uh <laughs> Davis, his jacket's I'm off. really digging in now, yeah. digging into business. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we might not even make it to number 11. Let's just keep going. Number six, what is your character yeah. good at and comfortable with? Throw the polar bear... Polar bear. <laughs> throw the polar opposite at them. Challenge them. Mm. How do they deal? Okay. Uh, yep. That's uh, the, the, the cliche uh, we've heard of many, many times. Uh Take your character, um, chase them up a tree. Probably a polar bear chasing them Absolutely. up a tree. Absolutely, yeah. Even, why possibly. not? Yeah. Uh, throw stones at them, and then uh, and then act, that's a, act act one. Chase them up a tree. Act two. Throw stones at them. Act three. Let them come down again. Yeah. Um, so that's. But I, I, that, as that's, you know, I have a twist on that one. Yeah. Which <laughs> so is so they allow them to go up there, yeah, isn't it, give or them something? A, yeah. Give them a reason to to go up a tree. And then yeah. give them a reason to cut off the branch that they're sitting on. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> yeah. so a, a polar bear is fine, but anyone would run from a polar bear. Why is your character running up a tree? You, know, yeah. you, you, want, yeah. you want to really push your mm. characters into a different, difficult situation that, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, I forgot to pay my tax bill. Well, anyone yeah. could forget, or there's been a problem. You know, my, my car has been crushed by a meteor. Okay, yeah. well, that's, I've not seen that before. But equally, mm. that could have happened to anyone. So it would be yeah. better if you have something that's more specific. So I think it's good advice, mm. but I don't think it's the best advice. No, no. But I think it is definitely also, uh, I mean, the thing that I do with the thesaurus where you, you define your character and you say, well, my character is um, uh, pompous say um and then you look at all the words that are like pompous and and that gives you clues of things that um how other people can see them or how they see themselves you know they they see they are pompous but they see themselves yeah. as important or whatever yeah, yeah. you know so 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 that so, so gives you clues of to sort of do do things that challenge their perceptions of themselves yeah. i suppose yeah um okay so uh let's go to number seven yeah um come up with your ending before you figure out your middle seriously endings are hard get yours working up front what do you have to say about that then James? i think that's excellent <laughs> advice i mean even in terms of plotting it's easy to try and go okay this week what happens well this happens or they try to do this and then you go then what then what then what oh that's funny it doesn't feel like an ending how do we top it how do we top it if you can i think it is a good way to go okay how does it how does it start and how Mm -hmm. does it end or even what's a what's a great middle and how do we get from 
you know, that's the Graham Linehan thing, which is why, you know, some of the plots are quite lumpy, but they're funny, is they go from, mm. wouldn't it be funny if this and then this and then this? Well, yes, it would. You're going to have to work quite hard to get there, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, but it, ideally, so the novel I'm writing at the moment, which looks further away than ever in some ways, because I'm learning that murder mysteries or what it's not a murder mystery, but they're, they're actually an awful lot harder to do than one would think. Mm. Um, I do know how it ends. I do, I do know where the treasure is, and I'm really happy with it. And yeah. and I'm, I'd be quite surprised if I thought of a better ending. So in right. a way, all of the planning that's going up to there, I feel optimistic mm. about because I do have an ending. But I have also yeah. plotted sitcom episodes where you just think, is that funny? Is that funny? Is that bigger? Is that better? So I think when but, you are plotting stuff, if you can get to the ending first and then not worry too much about the middle... Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, one of the clues that you have to your ending is that, uh, or, s- or some of the clues you already have to your ending is um, the person is back where they started. Um, whatever has happened, whatever they go through, um, they are back. Yeah. <laughs> they're, ba- they're back where they were. So, in a sense, you've already got, um, and, and again, they're not. You know, Pixar aren't making sitcoms, they're making movies where people grow yeah. and something happens and we know, oh, and that's where the treasure was buried. Yeah. Or, but, uh, but also, you know. but being a movie, uh, you know, in the last third, absolutely everything was there all along. You know what I mean? Mm. So that they're plotting. I mean, Toy Story 2 is, for me, the perfect movie. There is not a single frame that is out of, out of whack. The whole thing right. is absolutely perfect. But with every Pixar movie, pretty much, the answer was there all along, and it was there in Act 1, and it was there in Act 2, yeah. and it's been unlocked. And, and So, you know, uh, having said that, the best one of the best movie endings is Casablanca, and they came up with that pretty much on the day. So right. um, there are there are more, more than one way to skin a cat, but you yeah. are trusting your luck if you're going to yeah. leave the ending till quite late. I think it's it's true. Once you do really know what your end is going to be, it, and and then you, when you do start writing, and it does become easier to to plant those uh, uh, things that you you know that the audience won't see what these are planting, but you you know that they are actually yeah uh, th- these are things that we're going to come back to, yeah. and we'll find uh, oh yeah yeah right okay. And quite often you do come up with, even if you know your ending, you do often come up with a better one. Um, mm. But if you go in without knowing one, then you're making your life quite hard. But again, yeah. it, it depends on whether we're talking about coming up with outlines or coming up with scripts. Mm. I wouldn't dream of writing a script unless I had all the scenes planned out and I knew how it was, how each scene was going to begin and end almost. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I had my ending for my novel. Yeah. Um, and then I started writing it, and I realised that actually, um, that the novel it's too long. If I'm going to go, if I'm going to have that ending, I'm going to have to uh, completely rethink everything. Or it's two novels. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I um, uh, pretty much kind of three quarters of the way through writing it, I thought. Mm, uh, the point that I'm getting—I I thought this is going to be two hundred thousand words if I if I carry on Ooh, at this rate. That's too long. Um, so in the end, it was about a hundred and hundred and ten thousand, and I got it down. I've got it down now to about eighty-five. Oh, okay. 
Um, That's a lot but, of cutting, though, isn't it? That's painful. Yeah. But, I mean, I know now I've started to work on the second one and I can see how, and, and the ending is definitely, <laughs> I really have the ending now. I've had it I've had it once before and I've still got it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've got an ending. Um, for, there's, a, there's a kid's fantasy sort of thing, a bit like the Wingfeather saga I mentioned or, or um, Narnia or whatever. I've yeah. got a brilliant ending. I've got a brilliant <laughs> beginning and I've got a brilliant ending. And I know that if somebody actually said, right, write that story, here's six months and a pile of money and all the coffee you can drink. I, I know how to write that movie because I know how it ends. Yeah. Um, but, you know, no one's, no one's offered to do that. But so I do, I do understand the power of an ending and how much confidence that gives you going in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, you know, in the same way, actually, you would say, when we talk about writing sketches, the problem is always the punchline, isn't it? Coming up mm. with a decent punchline for a sketch is so hard you would almost advise someone not even to bother start writing the sketch until they've got the punchline. Yeah. Because a se- yeah. a string of jokes is not quite enough and won't make your sketch stand out amongst all the other ones. And a sketch mm. with a proper punchline on it really will get a lot further, won't it? Yeah, and it's quite rare, isn't it, as well? Even when you're listening yeah. to watching great shows. Yeah. Um, I mean... John Finnamore is a rare example of someone yeah. who most of his sketches have a very funny punchline. Yeah. But even he sometimes, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in yeah, a half-hour yeah, episode. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a third of the time the, the, the punchline is like, ah, oh, I think you just ended on your best joke. That isn't technically a punchline. And then there yeah. might be a chat about it afterwards. The Pin have got a brilliant cheat on that where they, mm. where after a sketch, um, you know, they, they have a thing that sounds like an ending and then occasionally... They'll mm. talk about the sketch as if it was real. Yeah. Um, you know, and they sort of just go, wow, I can't believe that guy in that sketch did that. I mean, what? <laughs> wow, he's had a terrible day, hasn't he? Yeah, I know. It's just a, you know, it's just a real sad indictment. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, why are you talking about it? As if it's real. It's, it was you, mm. you know. But um, If you can, um, they, they've made, a, I've seen a couple of them. I'm sure they've made more now. They're, they've made making some uh, lockdown sketches. Okay. Uh, I've seen a couple very, very funny. Oh, I bet uh, they will. I've not, I've I've not re- seen those. I'm a big, I'm recommend, a big uh, <laughs> the particular yeah. one. So Great. Oh, still I love making... that. Um, yeah. So, uh, come right. up with your ending was number seven. Number eight is yeah. finish number your eight. story. Let go even if it's not perfect. In an ideal world, you would have both, but move on. Do better next time. Wow. Right. I don't think John Lasseter's uh, going to settle for that, is he? Um, is that... Um, uh, does, do, does that mean, uh, you know, press send, basically? Uh, but... Um, it's a, or I'm not sure if it means you know just get to the end of your first draft and you know it's, a, it's sort of that sort of information that's a sort of um, thing but it actually that means you know do as much as you can it, it, I mean it's true that no script is ever perfect mm. and you know you can always improve a, a, a script except and, for Toy Story um, 2 but, yeah Right. Uh, Sorry, I will, I, will, I will die on a hill for Toy Story 2. <laughs> I think it might be I, the best movie ever made. I have to watch it. I've, I've not seen two, so I've only seen as far as Toy Story 1. Oh. So uh, I need to um, catch up. I'm, I'm behind on my Toy Stories. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's... Um, it's got the voice of Kelsey Grammar, Dave. It's got Frasier well. in it. And there we go. I don't know how far into the sitcom we are, oh, but we right. just mentioned Frasier. 
For those of you okay. playing, uh, not me, sitcom not geeks, me. Bingo. Yes, he's not even <laughs> going to say the word. No. Um, okay. But it, but if yeah. we just move on to the next one, maybe this will help. Number nine is when yeah. you're stuck, make a list of what wouldn't happen next. Lots of yeah. times, the material to get you unstuck will show up. That's really good advice, isn't it, for plotting? Mm. What wouldn't happen next? Yeah. And then you might go, it's well, actually, maybe it would. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're kind of kidding yourself. You're sort of cheating yourself a bit. And again, this is something I've been seeing quite a lot of in the last week or so. Um, the uh, the uh, Someone has a really good uh, plot twist. Uh, and in fact, it's so good that... Um, that's it's the last scene in the in the script uh and actually there's one script that i just read recently and i went and I, I got to the end and i just went wow wow i did not see that coming at all that is brilliant um and i thought okay so this person either has to um re has to build the, the whole thing to get to that point or I thought actually this isn't the end this is a brilliant twist right. and now now that that brilliant twist has happened there are more things that can happen as a result of that so mm. I mean I don't know it's sort of it, it's it, it you could go either way with that um yeah. but but I do I, I I think you know when you think you've got a great idea and you have a brilliant twist to a plot then uh then you do sort of need to have another one, really, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Like, like having one thing is is not not enough. No. And I do. I, I think. I think possibly what I'm saying here is slightly different from what's meant here. But I, I, I do read too many scripts where there's only one, one or two things happen, and you need more things yeah. to happen than that. So yeah. So yeah. Quite so, often, I mean, the, out of the sixty-five or so scripts we read for the British Comedy Guide uh, competition. Mm. Most stories didn't start till page 10 and most stories mm. had basically run out of steam by page 25. And yeah. yet the script still went on for another 10 pages. Mm. Um, so I think story is something that people find a lot harder than we might think. And I think people mm. need to story, story, story for much longer before they start yeah. writing because it is painful to fix it um, when you've written jokes that you really like. So I would always yeah. urge people to absolutely kick their story to death before they start writing it, um, mm. because it's just pain. It's and it's so annoying to get fifteen pages into writing a script and realise it doesn't work and have to start again. Um, I mean, it's better than writing forty pages and realising it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> but that's why I think you know any trick that 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 might work to kind of get your you got your car stuck in a in the mud and you just want to stop rocking yeah. it backwards and forwards to see anything that gets traction to get it out of the ditch so what mm. wouldn't happen next sure try that why not yeah and i think and and it also makes you think about your character well my character would never do this because um and and actually then you come back to thinking well what if they would do that what you know what what if in this point they are acting against type yeah um and uh, you know you can do you are you are able to do that with people because people do uh, occasionally act against type, yeah. but it might it, you know thinking of story and character as separate things is uh, yeah. is it, it, you you kind of have to do it when you're planning, otherwise your brain explodes. But yeah. when you're really sort of 
dug in there, if you don't yeah. mind me saying, uh, right in the dug into your script, and yeah. you you know you've got to you've got to find some sort of combination of story and character yeah. that's uh, yeah. that 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 works. And actually, the, the Robert McKee story is character. You go well, yeah, I guess so. But I don't. I wonder retrospectively how how good advice that actually is. I think for movies mm. that probably is good advice because I say you're you're not trying to come up with multiple stories. You only need one story for your character. Um, yeah. But then so uh, number ten, which we which is going to wrap up the last two. Um, yeah. I think this is referring to other people's stories. Pull apart the stories you like, and then this is classic Pixar. What do you like yeah. in them is a part of you. You've got to recognise it before you can use it. I don't really know. I'm 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 British, and I went to a fee-paying school, um, and I'm male. I am very unlikely to be able to process something that's been written by a lady who probably lives in California and works for Pixar and is a storyboard artist. Um, yeah, I, on the other hand, uh, I'm, I'm a sort of third-generation immigrant, and uh, you know, I come from a, 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 a religion that that um, survives on questioning everything yeah. around, and uh, you know, I also, and I'm a bit of a wishy-washy liberal type, mm. and uh, you know, I think yeah. The things that you love, they're a part. Of, they are a part of you, and uh, you know. They, if you, you, you I, th- can... I thought you were setting yourself up for a joke there, and just say, and I don't understand what it means either. <laughs> That's where I thought you were going with it. Yeah, I could have done yeah. actually, but uh, but you went I, for I the do... heart because you know. <laughs> yeah, because you're the yeah. songwriter. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and I made that particular thought last minutes longer than it should have yeah. done as well. Well, no, so. I think, but I think it's a helpful <laughs> note, and I think. We were funny. We go back to an episode, at least I mention it and remember it quite a lot. An episode with Carrie Quinlan that we did, where we mm. said, where, where the episode's, I think, called What Kind of Writer Are You? And I think knowing what kind of stories you like and what you like, te- the stories you like telling are probably the stories you like watching. And it is worth thinking, you know, what are your favorite sitcoms? What are your favorite movies? What do you like about them? Because in mm. a way, probably what you're trying to do is write them. Um, yeah. And so. It probably is worth kicking the tires on those things and just going, why, why do I like them? And take them apart. Yeah. So I think there mm. is, why do I connect with them? I think there is something in that. Yeah, I think, um, and if, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but one way in which uh, Richard Curtis sort of zoomed up in my estimation, I went to see him give a talk. Um, it's a few years after Notting Hill had been out. And uh, he said that, you know, they were sitting in the editing suite at Notting Hill. They'd he'd written it they'd made it they'd been directed it was in you know it was years down the line that project and it was coming near to the sort of final edit and he thought oh my god I've just made exactly the same film as Four Weddings and a Funeral (laughs) and uh, and then I thought about that and I thought actually and isn't the tall guy also kind of a little bit like that they're you know the kind of posh English person the and the cool American except the gender's uh, different yeah. but yeah and, and so there's obviously some very deep uh, at some very deep level and, yeah. I, and I think it's the kind of immigrant yeah. thing as well with Richard Curtis you know the kind of wanting to belong uh, you know kind of what, what what's the ultimate place that you can belong to you know mm. well if you're uh, as an English you know how, how does an English person keep their identity and be you yeah. know kind of still manage to be a person of the world you know so maybe well that's... it's interesting because I um I did a. I, there's 12 episodes of a podcast I did called The Inquisition, which is about uh, talking to uh, Christian people. Um, and 
Not about Monty Python, no. then. Um, one of my one of my <laughs> last um, questions on that is always essentially, you know, they some some vicars say that every sermon is basically the same, that every vicar mm. has one sermon, and they sort of say the same thing and they apply it to virtually everything. It doesn't really matter what the Bible says or what yeah. or what what part of the liturgical calendar it is. They kind of and I think almost everybody I've interviewed has just sort of said, yeah, there's probably a lot of truth in that, and. The bit where my friends or whatever tend to roll their eyes is when I say, you know what, I think this. And they're like, yeah, 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 we know. So it is worth knowing thyself, isn't it? And therefore knowing mm. the themes that really matter to you and to write to them. Because I think, you know, we're talking to the BBC Writers' Room. They want to hear voices um, and the deadline for that has probably passed by the time this goes out. But overall, people want to read scripts where... You know, the, the person telling the story just feels passionately about that story, and that does become obvious. So you do need to pick themes and kinds of story, as well as precincts that you might know about, or situations, or expertise, or relationships, or whatever that you understand. Hmm. You do need to address themes that you care about. Um, so I think that is really uh, insightful. And yeah. uh, we just got time for the number eleven. We have, yes. Uh, I might turn my video off at some point because my uh, internet connection might be getting a little bit dodgy. Okay. Uh, so you might you might lose my picture in a second. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, but we're up to number 11, yeah. So putting it on paper uh, lets you start fixing it. If it stays in your head, a perfect idea, you'll never share it with anyone. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think that's a very good uh, point. I think a lot of people are scared of writing or of telling the idea a lot of people when they're starting out i'm scared to tell you my idea because you'll nick it or someone else will do it and it's such a great idea um, i mean I yeah if i may stereotype it may be that men might think my idea is so brilliant you'll nick it <laughs> and women might be more tempted to think you might just think it's crap um yeah <laughs> i don't know whether you know send us an email sitcomgeeks at gmail.com if that is a sexist generalization but i suspect given the number of male and female writers that i know and how they talk about their craft that there is something in it um but definitely but yeah, yeah so i think I, I write stuff down partly the very act of writing it down if i've had an idea means i don't have to look at it again because i've remembered it yeah um but i do have and i have apple notes the, the yellow notes thing i just have hmm. tons and tons of those where i just put in random ideas hmm. um I do have a notebook and I write in it all the time yeah. and I write in it at least once a month because I I, I, I once a month like once to, a week surely well I should do I mean once I do a once monthly uh kind of um review of the previous month and looking to what I'm going to do next month but in between times right. things go in there okay. uh I ideas uh and and whatever and you know i do go back and read them and think oh right yeah and i had completely forgotten that i had had that idea so yeah. it is it, it is worth doing it get the stuff down yeah. there and and go back and look at it and, and this and, well for example this um this murder mystery idea that i've been working on uh today uh i i remember having the idea several years ago and actually this the show that i'm trying to get it on is a really good vehicle for it. It's absolutely perfect for it. And I'm really excited, but it probably wouldn't have worked in other formats or for other things or, and so hmm. I just wrote it down and thought about it a bit and that was it. And then I was reminded of it when I was pitching, um, actually by my daughter said something that just triggered, Oh, I did have an idea, 
about <laughs> related to this and it's this and I should totally pitch that that's a brilliant idea and I just spent literally I was, was up at 6.30 this morning just sort of finishing right. it off um, and I hope she's going to get a big chunk of the commission if you uh, I think get it my made, daughter's yeah. going to do fine out of me over the course of her life <laughs> Right. Um, Excellent. That brand new bike didn't pay for itself, let me tell you. Uh, it, and it was a, one of those nice Isla bikes as well, I can tell you. Oh, um, can't go wrong with an Isla bike. No, and they retain their value as well, so you can sell them. They do, they do, yeah. Because yeah, they grow out of them, but then, you know, off, yeah, exactly. off they go. Yeah, how yeah. do we get onto that? Yeah. So that is numbers <laughs> 1 to 11. And next mm. time we will talk about um, rules 12, 12 to 22. To 22. Um, yeah. That was fun, wasn't it? Yep. Okay. Thanks and, very much uh, for listening, everybody. Um, people yep. can contact us sitcomgeeks.gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Your website, Dave, is uh, davecohen.org.uk. I was in the process of getting a brand new website, and uh, that bloody uh, virus thing or something came yeah. along, and now uh, it's on hold. Uh, yeah. But I, it will be happening. And also, I'm I work for the uh, the writers guild the comedy mm. committee if you've got any sort of problems or issues that have come as a result of the uh, virus or whatever uh, my uh, i'm on twitter dave cohen comedy my my direct messages are open if you've got anything you want to discuss in confidence with me uh right. you can find me there brilliant cool um and yeah and they're also we're on patreon so also if you have writing based things if you join us on patreon for as little as a dollar a month or something yeah then there is a private facebook group and people just put stuff on there and they ask questions about stuff and dave and i look at that facebook group pretty much every day and the patreon page as well and we're putting up content there is hours and hours of extra audio um to help you while away uh these <laughs> times of lockdown uh, although mm. people are listening to sitcom uh, to podcast less and i think it's because it's quite a solitary activity and we tend to be yeah with people yeah. and you can't just sit and ignore people and listen to podcasts but we're going through it we're, we're carrying on we we're soldiering on. on yes indeed <laughs> great okay so, well thank you for listening, for listening everybody cheerio thank you bye